Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Here's one of my discoveries about the nature of practice. A person can be and will be a practitioner of X, Y, and Z, sometimes within a few years, sometimes at the same time. It's the same person in every case, but they manifest their core values and standards and entire history of life in each chosen practice. So here is Mara Lieberman, who I supported off and on in her various practice changes. Currently, she is a nurse tech with the intention of applying for nursing school as a postgraduate. All of that is because so many people that I know go from being paid while a student to work in just about any job they can get to trying out various changes. And in the case of the pandemic, being forced to make changes and using that period of time to think about what do I really want to do? And this is Mara's story. So here is Mara Lieberman. Well, one of the experiences that I had over a long career and that I really enjoyed was being asked by students of mine or being asked on behalf of someone else's student, would you talk about where I can go with what I know and what I want to do in my life? So I've written a lot of letters and emails and made a lot of phone calls because I think that was part and parcel of working in a business school to help students uh, in any of our schools at the university, but particularly business, to cross that first, uh, that first bridge uh, once the degree is in hand. So one of those persons is Mara Lieberman. Mara uh, is and fill in all the blanks. That's what we'll do in this conversation because <laughs> she's always been Mara, but she's made a number of moves in the work she does, which we'll explore in regard to what has become most the most durable aspects of that part of your life, Mara, when you're out there in a state of practice. So, hello. Hi, it's good to see you. <laughs> Do you remember the first time that, I, I can't even remember who it was who asked me to talk to you, someone who cared a lot about you, uh, and we had a conversation. I think you were working on your master's degree in our technology program, weren't you? Yes. Well, I actually, so it was Bob Mastriani, who I've actually known for a long time through my dad. And I see him for my physical therapy. And then I guess he knew Dr. Cavallari. That's right. And that is originally how I think that I spoke with him first and then he sent me your way. In and fact, that's what it was. Bob yes. uh, was introduced to me at Steve's retirement. Yes. Uh, which I had, mm -hmm. I had planned happily with Dr. Kate Wall. And uh, 
exactly now it all comes back yes <laughs> that was, it was a while a ago. while ago yeah and yeah what, what was going on when you needed to have just a little more guidance in regard to had you already started a job after graduate school or were you yes so i had already finished graduate school and then i started working in like an operations role but i was looking to get into something else more like quality project management focused and so that's what it was. I had been actively applying. Um, and Bob just asked me about it. And he said, he just mentioned your guys' names and said, knew a lot of people. And then I think it was because that it was you who helped me get into Rexel Capital Light. Because I that's right. think you have a lot of student, former students that worked there. Yeah, uh, that, that's sort of how I build the bridges or used mm -hmm. to. Well, I still do to some extent, even though I'm isolated out here in the northwestern part of Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, thanks right. to Zoom, I am not quite that isolated. <laughs> this podcast right. has grown into something over well over 100 <laughs> episodes. So right. it's something very constructive to do. And in the course mm -hmm. of those kind of conversations with different people, and that's basically an extension of how, you know, Bob Mastriani speaks to Steve, Steve speaks to mm -hmm. me, we speak. Uh, yeah, at that point, um you yeah you were you were in an operations role support role and it wasn't you know fulfilling right <laughs> that much and because one of my former students jackie badurian had had a, a national level leadership uh, role leadership development role at that company right. uh, yet had very strong ties to capital light uh, I chatted with Jackie off camera at one point. And I, said, <laughs> I know someone who might, you know, really like the uh, faster pace and uh, the somewhat complex right. aspects of, of a role in uh, at Capital Light. So we talked. You 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 talked. You got you were in the role, mm -hmm. and there you were. And at that same time, yes, I had uh, a couple of other of my former students there uh in various roles because i thought you know it's one way to be local in the sense of physically physically local but be part of a a really large a global company that distributed electronic uh, parts lighting solutions energy solutions worldwide so if someone was wanted to really get into that and grow up into the larger atmosphere of that particular corporation have at it uh, so what happened during that time you were there? So it was a very long learning curve, mm -hmm. I realized, just because you had to, I had no lighting experience, with they, which they initially said was not a problem. I think that the majority of people don't have any, but you just have to learn all of that in tandem with learning the actual job responsibilities. So the learning curve was like, three to six months long. Yeah. So it took a while just to even really feel settled in the role, which is fine. You kind of have to just take things on a daily basis. And you, I was learning every day for the entire time I was there. Mm -hmm. I learned something new. Um, and there was always a lot of, there was always resources. Um, there was never going to be a question that you couldn't get the answer to, which was nice. Very nice. Um, yeah. And then it was just obviously a lot of the, you know, customer service aspects, but I have been doing that for so long anyway already. Mm -hmm. So that was the easy part. Mm -hmm. It was really just learning the actual lighting part 
<laughs> but like I said, there was a very good support system there. So that was never really an issue. Yeah. So there you were. Finally, Mara's not going to ask me for a reference for a while. <laughs> I figured it, you were quite well, quite, quite well placed for what I knew of you and about you through, uh, you know, observing from afar. So I'm not stalking you. I'm just, <laughs> once I know that I've encouraged someone to think about hiring or otherwise <laughs> honoring any of my contacts, you know, and this is a rule for all of us in various practices, of course, you want to make sure that they, they do well, because in a way it's your reputation that goes through the door when mm -hmm. they go through the door. Uh, but I'm not so uh, fussy about my reputation that if you really got in there and said, look, this is not for me, I would have been fine with that too. But uh, so there you were. And, and yet there you weren't. What happened? So then COVID hit yes. in March. Um, and originally we just all, they just sent us all home. We worked from home. So I was home for about two weeks you know, business as usual, but then I guess then when all the brick and mortar started closing and construction got shut down, especially out on the West coast, because I think, I think California was one of the first States to kind of really start to make those changes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our business was there mm. yeah, is when both remodeling for retail yeah. and restaurants yep. and lighting so, systems for them. But eventually right. you know all, all manner of remodeling or even new construction took a right huge hit. because i was in new construction mm. um and then we had you know like our maintenance side and then our retro side mm -hmm. um so yeah i guess i don't know if it was just forecasting and they just you know were anticipating the sale cuts to come mm -hmm. but they laid off of really large number of people and it was there were furloughs there were layoffs there were temporary layoffs mm. so initially i was just a temporary layoff because i think in the beginning of covid we all anticipated that it would only be a yeah. couple of weeks yeah, we didn't think, think it was going to be this long yeah no i can't so, imagine anyone who thought it was going to go this long including the right former president so you know, everyone thought hey it's going <laughs> to blow over we'll all be back but it it mm -hmm. didn't turn out that way right so I originally thought it was just going to be like, oh, I'll be let off for a couple months. You know, sales will go back up. It'll all be fine. But then, you know, weeks turned into months, turned into months, turned into months. Mm. And then, yeah. And then eventually they just, I guess, decided because the sales were still really far down in like August even mm -hmm. that some people just weren't going to be able to come back. So mm -hmm. that's when they told me that it was a permanent layoff. You know, I returned all my stuff, but. You know, it had been so long at that point anyway, I was nervous that I was going to have to basically reorient entirely because I hadn't been there for that long to begin right. with. Right. So that right. was also a concern that I had as the months passed. Yeah. Um, During which would have been fine, but. Well, yeah, it would in a sense if you felt still some commitment to the company, even though you aren't, weren't there very long, you, people were good to you, you were mm -hmm. fairly decent um, pay and mobility issues, all, all kinds of good stuff. But mm -hmm. um, you also knew the sector and, and, and perhaps more than others. And 
So you probably starting to think during that layoff of what else Mara Lieberman right. is going to be in this world. Tell, tell me a little bit about that and perhaps that will lead to what you're doing now. So I had been looking, I feel like, but even throughout my time there, you know, I sometimes would get emails and I was like, I can casually explore, you know, other roles, see if anything, you know, great pops up. But sure. I think initially, initially I was just waiting once I got, once I was temporarily laid off and I was like, oh, I'll just see what they say. And then if I need to start really actively applying, I'll do that. So eventually I just started actively applying everywhere in pretty much every role, project management, operations, supply chain, um, anything really that I could find. And then a lot of like medical manufacturing, just because that was so in demand, especially then. Good, good, um, good, eye, good eye for strategic contingencies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, but it just wasn't the job market was not especially mm -hmm. active at that time for anybody really in really any industry. So then I eventually was just like, because I had been thinking about, you know, possible other routes, you know, potentially going back to school, doing something else, kind of branching out because, you know, quality control can be very difficult to break into just in general. And I wasn't really entirely sure what sector I wanted to be in. Like I had thought healthcare, I had also thought, you know, politics for a while, sports, there were so many different things. And I just wasn't feeling especially, especially confident in any one route. Mm -hmm. So then that's when I, you know, pivoted and said, oh, well, you have been thinking about, you know, going back to school for nursing. So you could maybe take this time to do that. Since I didn't really have any other obligations, I wasn't tied to anything. Mm -hmm. Just being in that role before, I felt very, you know, comfortable. And like, I was like, oh, I have a job, you know, they pay me well, it's good hours, you know, your normal Monday to Friday, why change it? And I didn't really feel like it was necessary to make the change, but then everything kind of just completely came out from underneath me. And I was like, maybe it is time to <laughs> yeah, explore universe, other routes. The universe was speaking as it, as yeah. it did, it did to, to, to tens of millions of people, but your story yeah. is a lot of people's story. Let me make sure mm -hmm. I picked up one thread here because as Peter Vale and I you know, applied mm -hmm. our, our thinking, a lot of thinking to uh, what goes on when someone decides that they're going to do more than take a job pay and benefits and all the good things that people do but in that job decide they will do the aggressive learning they mm -hmm. will be looking to see where other opportunities within that uh, uh, orbit start to light up and but basically what I, I i recall from you is that you had established this uh presence in the matter of supply <laughs> and supply chain and mm -hmm. the various controls that go with that. And maybe I even recall when we talked once you said, you know, I, it's not really exciting uh, compared to other things. So mm -hmm. for some people it's, it's, it's over the moon, exciting. <laughs> right. Uh, but you mentioned nursing, were you in nursing at some point in your life or, or just? No. 
I never was. I mean, both of my parents are in healthcare, but I think I think that just in general, when I went to college right out of high school, I didn't really have any idea what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but having been an athlete for the whole time, it kind of pushed me to just go rather than take a gap year and kind of figure out more of a direction. So I just went straight through, just like I went straight into grad school because <laughs> it was like a, the running was like a catalyst for yeah everything that happened in my higher education career. Um, so, and I was like, Oh, I still don't really know what I want to do. So let me just go get a master's degree in something. <laughs> you're you're not alone in that. So that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. No, us old professors would say now get, get, get out in the world for a while. Don't come back from yeah. until you get more experience under your belt. But on the other hand, Mm-hmm. We need we need enrollment, so I I, I expect right. that okay, come on in. And it was a it was a, what was your undergraduate major? So my undergrad was political science because originally I had wanted to do like campaign management and kind of take that route, mm. but then my mind just I don't know it just changed. It just wasn't something that I thought would be a good fit for me, just mm-hmm. based on my personality and things that are necessary to be successful in a role like that. Yeah. I just don't think it would have been something that I enjoyed. Um, And I know there's always other routes to go with that, but then I just, I don't know. And then I went and got my master's in technology management. And I've always kind of just had a knack for just quality control as a whole. It's just how my brain works, I guess. Perfect. Um, I'm going to put a big circle around that Mara for the, for the benefit of the learning you found out what you really had a knack for and mm-hmm. really, it may have taken a few years to find it, but you, you found it. And my prediction is that that knack will fit anything else you do for the rest of your career. Cause you're not going to lose that. You'll have a feel for what's promised, what's done and delivered and how did it perform. Right. Very basic. And mm-hmm. now as we begin to talk about healthcare is where you are now, mm-hmm. uh, guess who the product is? <laughs> us, <laughs> us elderly right. folks and all the others <laughs> people who contracted COVID, all the hundreds of thousands of people who re- mm-hmm. absolutely trust or almost trust uh, that there's good processes in place, procedures, techniques, and yet people who are treating us uh, have a good mind and, and, and some chance of acting with discretion, you know, to deal with the situation at hand, which by the way is us again. So mm-hmm. there you were. And so you had thought of nursing at one point, what are you doing now? And take us back from that point to when you made the decision to apply. Cause I think I did write a recommendation to the, yes, you did uh, to that organization too. Yes. <laughs> I think I, I don't know. I think I, I had I briefly thought about it, you know, here and there, but I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I have a stomach for it. But then I think it was when I went to Central because Central has the nursing program there. And I, since I did run track for the one year, a lot of the girls on the track team were in the nursing program. So I think that was kind of like a subconscious turning point. But then, like I said, I was just comfortable. I had a job, I had benefits, I had everything that I needed. So I didn't really find it necessary to change it. And then when I got laid off and I didn't really have anything 
I was like, let me just try it. So that's how I decided because I start I started my job at Harford Hospital in patient care before I started school. Um, I started school in January of this year, and then I started my job in November of last. So it was kind of just a test for me to see if I had, you know, what it took to be in that setting, because it can be very physically taxing emotionally. It's just a very different feel than what I was used to. Very, very different than sitting so, at, a, at a desk in a computer, uh, right. work, working out uh, estimates for for lighting systems for contractors right. in California. That's like night and day. Uh, <laughs> and so what did you learn in those first few weeks that you were there about yourself? Um, I guess really, I was honestly kind of shocked that I really, I don't know how else to put it, like had the stomach for it, for everything that I would have to be doing because they really, you know, in my role now, they really just throw you in there um, mm. into these situations with patients. And I am on an ICU floor. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a smaller number of patients, but it's, you know, the sickest ones. Um, so it was, I think it was the hardest adjustment was the emotional adjustment mm. in just learning how to cope with, you know, your feelings and how these patients are feeling and their families. Um, you know, and knowing what to say to people and what not to say. And even still with that, I'm still learning. That's something that I think you just have to learn with time. But I liked it. I really did. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, at this point, I should just, you know, officially. So that's when I enrolled in school and started. And now here I am. So yeah, you were down on it. Now, did you come uh, which school did you enroll in for your for your nursing degree? So I'm at Goodwin in Har mm -hmm. East Hartford now. Mm -hmm. I have a couple since I wasn't a science major. I do have some, you oh, know, yeah. prerequisites I have to take. But biochem, nice is, it's coming. Biochem. Yeah, I know. I'm in. <laughs> I'm actually in chemistry now this summer, so that's yeah, been good. Good. A treat, but they have. And so since I have a bachelor's already, I can do an accelerated program. Yes. So you, I just have to take, you know, however many prereqs it is, and then I can do the faster bachelor's program. There's a couple. So Goodwin has one, Southern has one, Yukon has one. So I'm, just when it comes time to apply early next year, I will, you know, kind of see what works out the best with that. Well, so you know, I, I have, I'll tell you from personal family experience, uh, when my daughter Laura was in her mid thirties, um, she had done a lot of a lot of things in her life too. Tried out a lot of things. Um, she was out in Wyoming and said, "I'm going to apply for the bachelor's, the accelerated bachelor's of nursing in Wyoming." And uh, eighteen months later, she because she had a degree, uh, she uh, became a nurse and then moved out here to the University of Vermont for what they call a postgraduate and on and on. So mm -hmm. she's became an orthopedic nurse and, you know, she nurses to this day, but for her, she's good at it, but it's, it supplies her with access to what she also loves and maybe even more. She's a ski instructor in Jackson Hole and she nurses there and then she nurses here, but she loves going out to the ocean and camping. So for a single woman who is no longer 35, it, nursing has been good, but mm -hmm. she has never disclosed anything at all because you know you guys are so discreet and necessarily professionally discreet. 
but I got enough of a feeling that this is my little girl who used, who when she'd have a skin knee, would be calling 911 before we had cell phones. She's like, 911, I'm bleeding. And, and now she's like up to her elbows and in, mm-hmm. in, in the OR. But I shouldn't be talking about her. I'm talking about you. But I am talking about you and all kinds of people who reach a point somewhere beyond their earlier high school, college years where they say, you know, nursing is a, is a really good way to fulfill serve uh there's plenty of places where nurses can be employed even though some are we're uh, laid off uh, in different hospitals and around Mm -hmm. the country they're all calling back so tell me a little bit about uh what you learned just the last couple of days about you in the nursing situation um well it's been pretty busy at the hospital the past couple of weeks even just because you know I'm on like I said I'm in the ICU but I'm in the neurotrauma ICU um so the summer the warmer months is what we call trauma season um so we have a lot of people outside you know there's accidents all that kind of stuff so it's been a different you know there's a lot of younger people coming in, just things that you don't think you're going to see. Like deep down, you know, you're going to see them, but when you're seeing them so often, it's just like another period of adjust- emotional adjustment. Um, but it's been fine. There's, I like the people that I work with. It's a good support system. It's a really good group of nurses, which is really good and support staff and everything. So that is very helpful. And I'm learning so much. Mm. Um, because I actually even just recently, so I was in inpatient care directly and I just got trained in the telemetry. So now I can read and interpret EKGs. Um, so I've taken on that role as well. It's just a little bit of a shift. It's less direct patient care, but more, you know, like the actual clinical side of things I'm going to need to know for nursing school anyway. And you're back to, you're back to analysis again, you know, some of your early aspirations for quality and quality control i mean exactly that that uh, that's a good role so I, yeah what i'm hearing already is that they've recognized uh, your talent and that they that you're, you're not just a one-trick pony that you know there's other things you can do you're well educated you're articulate and as you say I, it's it's i'm getting used to it and i'm finding out more and more about how how to make a difference or am I just putting too much fairy dust on that (laughs) Mm -hmm. um no I think it is that for me like I've always kind of wanted to feel like I'm helping people directly like customer service jobs it's it's different because it's really just more of a you know um your like these, it's a consumerism thing versus yeah. this healthcare thing where it's they didn't ask to be in these situations, but you're oh. just helping them anyway. Yeah, it, it's just a little bit of a different it. feeling. It's yes, it's certainly like is. customer service. I mean, you do what you can, but if you can't provide them with what they need, you know, sometimes it happens. But there's no, you know, great problem that comes from that. Whereas in healthcare, if you can't give them what they need, 
it has catastrophic effects. So it's just like, you know, a really good feeling when you really just help somebody. And when they leave the unit, they get discharged, they move to, you know, like a step down floor. Yeah. You know, it's just a great feeling, especially, yeah. you know, being on, yeah, being in this unit, you have people that are there for, you know, months at a time sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And when they finally leave, it's just, it's a really emotional time, but it's a really good feeling. Yeah. And I, and I just wasn't really getting that before. Um, you know, I was, you know, feeling fulfilled and helpful, but I wasn't really, you know, not fully like I am with this. So it's been quite the transition, but I, I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I took the leap and just did it. Well, I am too. Not that yeah. I'm mind writing your references. I pro you, you can ask me one for when you apply to finally apply to a nursing school, I'd be happy to write it. But I, I, I think once I know someone who has found it, the, the thing that checks all your personal boxes as to what you want to be, each day that you get up and go forward. Uh, I'm delighted as I am for you. Uh, we're almost out of time, but uh, any last thoughts that you have? Uh, we are studying what it's like to be in practice and you sure are now one, two, three, four, five practices in, but this one I think is gonna stick. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I do. And there's so many different directions I can go with it. You know, I have it all kind of planned out in my head and I know that things change. Um, but there's so many routes you can go with nursing. You can know there's obviously the clinical route, which is great and it's fulfilling. And then there's the non-clinical side and there's a whole side of, you know, quality control nursing. Absolutely. There's, huge, huge. you know, exactly. So that's kind of where I see myself more, you know, do the clinical side, you know, get my fill of that and then, you know, switch back to, you know, my quality roots while still being in that, you know, secure healthcare setting and still, you know, interacting with patients more, interacting with families, colleagues. So that's kind of, you know, my, you know, 10, 20, 30 year plan. Wow. That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. No, I have to so. tell you that, you know, at my age, uh, I'd be delighted with a 10 year plan, which would put me up to 88. Now, if I could throw another 10 on that and still have know who the hell I am, uh, I, I'd be delighted. But in, the good news for you is you got many decades ahead, Mara. And I wish every one of them would be even more fulfilling than the one that preceded it. So thank you, thank you for taking the risk to get on this Zoom call with this oh, yeah. crazy old professor and uh, <laughs> Now the whole world's going to hear your story. At least the, That's good. Yeah. hopefully a few hundred people who listen to the episode. So yeah. Well, maybe it'll inspire them to, you know, take the leap and do something else. You know, it's always worth it. You know, if and if you don't like it, at least now you know. You did not try. So. Great words to finish by. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information.
Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon.